So, Jack, I think it's a well-known fact that consuming music can boost your mood and well-being. And since you were in a band, and I'm kind of in the music biz, and a serial gig-goer, I think it's time that we touched upon the wonderful world of music and the happiness and joy that it can bring. Well, it's a big subject, isn't it? So it's a big one. I think we knew it was coming, and I think for me and you to approach it, it's like hands-on because it's... Do you know what I mean? There's a there's a lot to it. Obviously, we're both big, big, passionate fans of music, and we both worked in music to a certain level as well. I think we, you know what, me and you, we do have a good understanding of music, and I reckon we can suss out what kind of person Larry might be. I feared what what big statement you were about to make there <laughs> about us. We music. never know. We never know what's coming out of our mouths. You work for the BBC as an assistant producer on Radio Sticks, so like you get to see so many cool acts that come through the doors and you get to listen to so much cool music where do you think it started for you why do you think you wanted to work in music I guess um the working music bit was just something I don't know as a kid like I think I've mentioned it when we did our childhood episode but it was just something that I always loved like as a child I loved to sing I loved to listen to music first favorite band ever was McFly classic you know got and they've the best got a new music. song called happiness out how about what that? are the well you know we're gonna have to get them on off we'll so. have to but yeah it was just something that I just always loved and I just want it to just seem like fun, like a fun industry to be in, a fun job to do, anything to do with music. Because it is just something that I think does bring everyone happiness in yeah. some way or another. And I don't know about the scientific like response to it, but there definitely is a, a scientific element. And I wish I could sit here and explain and, and you'd all go, oh, wow, he's so clever, but I can't do that. But there <laughs> definitely is a scientific element of listening to music that releases um, some endorphins that bring you pleasure in a sense. Yeah, definitely. There's like so much research that shows um, kind of the positive effects it has on your brain. See, some of my happiest times for music, though, the music I like and, and my mates take the mick out of it. But like, I love your proper slow love ballads. You know Do what I you? mean? Do you? Yeah, oh, like God. a bloke and a guitar. Like I'm proper. I like I like an array of stuff. Like I, I do like my indie, but I love pop. And I'm, you know what? I think I tried to hide it for so many years. <laughs> Ed Sheeran. Lewis Capaldi, I'm just, I'm all about it. Take You're that, all about a million it. love songs later, come on. Oh yeah, like the cheesy pop is kind of brings that nostalgic feeling, which I think is why people love it so no, much. I, I love listening to like the new sad stuff, like Lewis Capaldi's I do love Lewis sad Capaldi, songs it, so good. But also, I think if he didn't have a personality, he wouldn't be that, I wouldn't be that interested in him. He does, his, his voice is insane, but the fact that he's so hilarious definitely You say this him. though, but like, I like... I know that you are and you go and see a lot of like new acts before they're discovered, but I'm proper on Spotify and I'm running this radio show. I I like search high and low on Spotify and YouTube to try and find the next big thing. And, and w when I was in a band, we used to do it all the time because we were trying to find who was going to be the next big thing and see if we could like support them or like write with them before <laughs> that. And I remember listening to Lewis Capaldi because he was in all the playlists. And I yes, absolutely yeah, just, I, I loved him, and but I didn't even follow him on social media. And then I was like, oh, he's a right lad as well. Yeah, no, that is true, actually. I remember hearing bruises on like some random Spotify playlist just before I think it suddenly got really yeah. big. And every time it came on my like shuffle, I, I always checked like, oh, who, who sang this again? But then, yeah, I don't know, maybe now I've just kind of got over it a bit. So I'm a bit like, oh, it. Wouldn't be that. <laughs> it wouldn't be that amazing if it wasn't funny. But no, you, you have got a point there. Yeah, no, for me, like I... I love the 
discovering the new bands and those who aren't yet that successful. I think it's just the excitement of like seeing like the prospect of how good a new band could be. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like you see them and you're like, they're so amazing. They could be huge one day. And then seeing that progression and seeing them develop, I think is what brings me the most kind of happiness and is what I love so much about the job and like the industry. There is, I was talking to my mum about this the other day and it's once you have like a bit of a, and it sounds soppy, but like a personal relationship with uh, like an act or an artist, like, or there's been some kind of involvement where you feel like you're supporting them or do you know what I mean? That they're, you want to watch them grow more and there is like a bit of a, a happiness when you see them doing well. So we went and I remember one of my friends showed me Ed Sheeran back in 2010 when we just got to university and it was there was a couple of us that were just starting to listen to him and we went to see him in like our second year. So we're talking 2011 and there were 600 people in Newcastle watching him, like, which is still pretty big. That's amazing. But when you yeah. say Ed Sheeran and we, we were like, did, did you remember the song? He had a song called you, you and I, called Uni. No, I don't think Do I did. Do you not remember? It was a great song. It, it wasn't one of his big ones. And we did like little dance moves. So we put up the U Was it one of the really like, slow ones? You and I. Ended over you and uh, it wasn't. Yeah, no, I don't remember that one. So we were doing dance moves, and then Ed Sheeran pointed over us. He was like, "Those guys brought dance moves," and we were like, "Ed Sheeran recognised us." And then, uh... like, I saw him six years later at the O2 Arena, and it was like, "This is the same guy." So, like, a part of me felt like I knew him. I didn't know him, but do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, because you've kind of been there through that journey, it does bring yeah. you like a buzz to see them them doing well. Yeah, definitely. Do you feel like you? Uh, let's use that Ed Sheeran example. You enjoyed the gig more when you were at the smaller venue rather than the big one. Because I, I reckon for me, like definitely I prefer the smaller ones because it is easier to create that connection and like have that feeling and that feel a bit kind of, sounds a bit weird, but feel a bit like closer to the artist. Yeah, absolutely. Like I think I think if you could, if you could just get Ed Sheeran in a circle and you all kind of, there's like 30 people around him that'd be like the most intimate gig there's something about the intimacy of, of gigs and I know that I spoke about Barn on the Farm before but that's a festival and so, there were some like little rooms that you get like 100 people in there and it's just these incredibly talented musicians just with a guitar and it was like mm. when we used to gig as well we used to do sofa sound and they were some of the weirdest gigs because you'd turn up and you'd be in like someone's front room and there'd be like 30 <laughs> people, they'd bring their own snacks and they'll be sat there with like a little vegan scotch egg and they'd be drinking their like pims in London and it was all like Intense. edgy and then we'd just rock up with like a guitar and do all our mockney stuff. Like, gigs with a food would be a bit weird. With a food? With food. Gigs with food. Like, yeah, it, was like, it was like a picnic in someone's house. It was kind of cool strange. but they were so, they were incredible gigs because they were so intimate and like, I love that and like, um, I love when you can, like chat to an artist afterwards and you get to know them mm -hmm. like that kind of brings another level of of happiness as well I guess when you get to you know you know what it is when when you when I watch an artist and they talk about the story before or after the song I relate mm -hmm. with that so much if they say and this is about a girl who did this in this place and that place or like and it, her name was and you know what I mean yeah. you really yeah, feel yeah. like you're part of their life so like yeah. you can relate to the song a little bit more. Definitely. It it all kind of come back comes back to that um thing about connections and interactions that I think has been a bit of a theme throughout yeah. where it's like when you're at a gig and you're surrounded by like-minded people and you know it's that feeling of kind of connectedness in a social 
like bond that you've got with people. Like I first started going to gigs when I was yeah to gigs when I was about thirteen. I I made like some of my closest friends during my teenage years like, yeah. at gigs. Like I met them at gigs, and you know we stayed really close. You know throughout those years, and now you know we're still in touch with some of them, and it's it's a bit mad. Like you know how you can make really good friends through yeah. that kind of not. It's not like the most typical social setting i guess no. like you know it's not like school or work or you but know. the thing with friendship is there's got to be some kind of common interest exactly and, and yeah exa- and, and the fact that just because you two liked whatever do you know what i mean like jamie t or the arctic monkeys or whatever the actors that you're seeing you do, you might have difference of opinions on everything else but because you've got that one common bond yeah it brings you together it's so yeah. weird though because like my closest friends now, like my closest friends from high school, totally different music tastes to oh, all of yeah. them. There's there's Same. like there's a lot of crossovers like the where like me and Zach will like a, a couple of tunes together, but a lot of mm-hmm. his stuff that he that he likes as well it, it wouldn't be my cup of tea, and a lot of stuff that I like definitely isn't his cup of tea. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Would you say your um, music taste has developed? as you've gotten older and has it improved <laughs> i don't know i don't know if i can say it's improved like like i love i love pop like i i do <laughs> i like it stripped back do you know what i mean that my my friends take the mickey out of me because they're like you don't like drums and i don't that i do oh. if i'm in the mood for like a big indie rock song and if i'm at a festival but when i'm sat i want to chill and relax and like i want to feel like warm and comfortable and i like that kind of idea of just someone with a guitar just around a campfire, just, you know what I mean? Like a really good vocal, really good lyrics and no drums. <laughs> wow, interesting. Well, yeah, I was about to ask, what is what is it about a song that, like, attracts you the most? Like, is it more the vocals? Is it more the lyrics? Is it more the instruments that you kind of relate to the most or that you enjoy yeah, the most? Yeah, it's got to be... There'll be some songs that I'll, I'll listen to and lyrically, like, that. do you know what I mean? They could be, like, Leonard Cohen, Hallelujah, like... Yeah, you hear amazing versions of people singing it, like Alexandra Burke, she sings it incredible. But Leonard Cohen's version, where he's basically talking it, you're like, whoa, this is a serious song. Just like the lyrics, like you get like goosebumps just for it. But then there was a song I was listening to the other day, and it's it's so, it's called Pasta, right? And it's, right. it's like this new young boy band, and it came up on my uh, Discover Weekly, and it's like, all she wanted was a bowl of pasta. And it's an, oh, like, God. that is a dreadful <laughs> lyric. But like I couldn't. Sounds like stop. something you would write. Like, yeah, exactly. I couldn't stop singing it, and maybe maybe that's because we used to write such awful songs. <laughs> I think now is a good time to come on to the band. Really? And there's yeah, I have so many questions. What made you want to be in a band to begin with? Well, I'd I'd been in a band since I was fifteen with my best mate and now housemate Ramin. Um, we started a band and we were called Bootleg Frimo, right? <laughs> and we only we didn't we didn't okay. know the names. And my nick like it wasn't even a nickname, but my dad's nickname at school was Frimo because of Frimston. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna be like a little Frimo. And then we started a band and we was like, we need a name. So I went on like random name generator and it just came up Bootleg Frimo. And I was like, cool, that'll do. And Love it was so, actually used that. We used it and for years we. They, like because all my friends used to be into like metal and right really indie growing up, all my like a lot of my friends were musicians, so they'd run like music nights and they'd be like metal versus indie. So it was like a battle of the bands. You'd have a metal band and then indie. And it would have with special guests bootleg from home. We'd get up <laughs> and we'd do the JCB song by Nizlopi. Oh my um, god! 
<laughs> so that was that. And then I moved to university and and kind of sadly bootleg from O died out. R.I.P. What so could have been? What could have been the biggest thing on the planet? And it's just being around like-minded people and like good friends. And we just started, me and friends just started writing together. And all of a sudden it was like, I remember I came back off a holiday in Cavos and I showed some of the lads in the band this song that I wrote. And I was like, and I'd kind of, I'd stolen, um, I'd stolen the chords to Rum and Red Bull. You remember the Beanie Man Yeah, song? yeah, and, um, yeah. I kind of stole this song and wrote a little bit of rap about this girl that I thought broke my heart. And there it was. I kind of, and we did it and we were like, that's cool. And then we, we entered a competition called Cumbridge Got Talent. It was just two of us at the time. <laughs> and we were a duo. You love a talent show. I love a talent show and I love a duo. And you know what? This, this, you thought Bootleg Frimo was a band name, a bad, bad band name. Oh God. We were called Swag and Techers. Oh God, it just gets worse. I know. So we we got to the final of uh, Cumbria's Got Talent, and then from that point it grew, and um, a manager had taken kind of interest in us, and like we didn't know what we were going to do. I I thought I was going I studied musical theatre at university, so I was like I'm going to go to university and then I'll go and be in Cats on the West End. It'll be that easy. It's not that easy, and nobody likes no. Cats anyway, as it turns out. No. Um, and yeah, like he was, this manager guy was like, I want to manage you. Uh, Move to London, and we were like we had a little something bubbling but I always love performing and we spoke about that in the nostalgia episode and I didn't really I wasn't really a singer when I first joined the band I could hold a tune but it was more talky, <laughs> like I could sing in tune about I could talk in tune a bit and that was kind of what we went off and then obviously it, it grew and we did some mental things and when you were writing songs did that feel like obviously like writing music is a form of, I guess, like expressing your your emotions. And um, mm. I was like reading online, there's quite a lot that says about how um, actively engaging with music kind of helps boost happiness even more rather than just listening to it, um, which I think was quite interesting. Yeah, I, um, I like that. And so did you, did, you, did you feel happier after writing music, even if you're writing about a sad topic? Because it was sort of like a form of release. Yeah, it? well, it's, you know what, I always say this, and, and writing songs for me was the best form of therapy. And like, even mm. if, if, you, if you can't write songs, I always say like, write letters. If something bad's happened with a relationship or you're angry at someone or something, you need, you have all this pent up aggression and you've, you've got to, or like feelings that you don't know how to convey. And some of the best songs, that was, that's why I think with some, when I look back, on the band I was so happy with so much of what we did but there was also so many songs for us that didn't really have meaning but there was a lot that mm. did and I, I look back with fond memories and then the songs that didn't really have meaning and there was no like personal attachment I kind of dis do you know what I mean I wasn't really yeah. interested in them and like and, and we didn't enjoy performing them as much and you could and, and that was a weird correlation like obviously if there was something one of my favorite songs to sing was a song called Primrose Hill <laughs> and I know why you're laughing Classic. Um, but yeah, it was a song called Primrose Hill and yeah, that was about like a heartbreak. So I, I love singing that one. Sorry, Jack. It's all right. It happens. But yeah, no, I, th I think being involved with music and, and kind of having that personal element on it, it's like the, the best form of therapy you can do. Did you, so did you feel using that song as, as an example, did you feel better after writing it? Uh, yeah, I felt incredible. And, and the best songs, like... I think like Noel Gallagher said it in an interview, like they, they just kind of fall from like the song heavens 
and it's mental like it really did like it that song just 45 minutes it was just done and like you sit there i remember one song that we wrote took us like three years to finish we came up with Christ. a chorus and then it took like it just took what like song was that mr perfect yeah Wow. All of this is available on Spotify. I still get a, a little £10 royalty check. You haven't every... even given us the name, Jack. What's the name of your band? We we were called Swag and Techers Part 2. No, we were called uh, The Tailor Made. But then, you know what? The, the one thing I learned about music, and like it, it takes a while to fall back in love with music, is there's so much business and politics involved in actual music, like the music industry. Or do you think anyone can just pick up a guitar and like learn to play and start writing songs, whether you're good or bad, it doesn't matter. And that can be your creative outlet. But then to actually say, mm. I'm, I want to try and turn this into a career or a business, I guess that's the only time when the unhappiness came in, like when you're like, right, well, we, we've not got enough money for this or how are we going to survive this week or, or whatever. We were very lucky with our situation in London, but we always the creative process was, was the happiest part. What about the performing side of it? The, the means that well, Zach mentioned it last week. The creative part is is one of the biggest things for it, and but then it's like the showcasing. Do you know what I mean? If if you're a yeah. covers band, it's great that you get to perform. And when I did the covers band on the ship, it was amazing because you were performing every night, and you can bring something mm. of your own to it. But you're you're just showcasing someone else's art. Whereas when you're going out and you're saying this is what we did and this is how we're going to do it, there is something. But I think. The the biggest buzz for me, like, you you don't get any... Like, when you're performing to people that are responsive, because trust me, Sarah, sorry to that, <laughs> we performed to a lot of people that weren't responsive I can imagine. At all. My favourite story is we... And it, and it really just teaches you, like, you, you just can't be arrogant or up your own arse ever, is we supported Busted, which was like a childhood dream. Oh, my God, amazing. The, the Busted, not McBusted. Everyone was like, oh, you're supporting McBusted? No, They're The, the busted. busted. And um, we supported them in Scarborough. It was one of our first big gigs. It was like 8,000 people. And we we couldn't stay and hang around after. We had to drive back because we had a gig at Kempton Racecourses. And the next day, oh. we were there performing in front of three old blokes trying to watch the racing going <laughs> get out the way of the telly and they were shouting at us and you're like we well, you just supported busted though and the, nobody cares it doesn't matter you must have been fuming <laughs> well i think we we're pretty bad tired and hungover probably would you say that busted gig was your happiest gig that you've ever done no i think it's 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 very hard to like pinpoint like moments like we did the madness tour which was unreal because we were supporting like it was in the midst of you remember that summer when everyone thought football was coming home oh yeah football's coming home sports team oh um but yeah there was um there was that summer and we were doing it with lightning seed who actually sang that song as well so it was just there was an unreal buzz in the air when we did the madness tour but for me we played we managed to play trafalgar square for pride and that was our biggest we'd, we'd done Maybe a couple of hundred, like for CeeLo Green, oh and then God. it went to 20,000. That was the first time. But it was just three blokes on stage with an acoustic guitar. Yeah. You can't perform, like, that is mental. <laughs> I don't know how Ed Sheeran does, like, Wembley, just with an acoustic guitar, because I felt like we, we, like, we did a four-minute song in, like, 30 That's seconds. Mental. We were so fast. It was... But it's hard to pinpoint the happy moments because there's such adrenaline rushes and there's such big come-ups, but then the come-downs after are just so... Like afterwards, you just want to sit in a room and you just <laughs> want to have a herbal tea. You don't really know what to do. Like it's, 
Do you know what I mean? <gasps> that rock and roll lifestyle. Oh, yeah, but it's like, it's like you've done it, and, th- and then what? Like, you've got to come back to Earth. Yeah, I can imagine that's a bit of a low. Is there a particular song or album or artist that really brings like a nostalgic, happy feeling back to you? Because I think that's something that music is really good at doing. It's kind of like this little time machine, like it takes you back to a particular moment and brings all those emotions back. Well, I I don't know about you, but like in my head, I know I don't look it anymore, but I still feel like I'm 17. Like there's still, and I don't know if like, like, I say adults, but like I mean, like proper adults. But like, if if like there is kind of like an age or like a happy time in your life, and I remember like summer seventeen, you're all around with your friends, and it was like when we all started kind of listening to Jamie T, and we used to jam it out on oh, the guitar, yeah. and we'd sing "If You Got the Money," and like that was like the main song that we did, and I sang that at the prom, and it was just like that is like a real nostalgic feel. And I, we bought a vinyl player for the new house, and we stuck Jamie T's first album on, and I was like. Whoa, all these happy Took memories. Took you back to that moment. Yeah. I think that's partly why they, they're starting to use music as a sort of therapy for dementia patients. Yeah. Because it, cause it like helps them remember things and like those sort of moments and stuff like that because it has such yeah, a good yeah. effect in um kind of reminding you of something. I can like imagine. I, I think I reckon music therapy would be an incredible thing for people. Music, music yeah. can do wonders for the, the world. Music the makes the world go around. Is that what they said? Is that a phrase? Is it? I'd like to know. teach the world to sing. No. Music therapy has proven to be more effective than other types of therapies in patients suffering from depression. And it's been shown to lower levels of anxiety and loneliness in the elderly. Have you ever performed in front of like a crowd? I've done like open mic nights. Have you? <laughs> but that's about what it. Did you yeah. Sing? I did a few of those in uni. Um, well, it was me and a friend who would do it, and we had a few classics. Valerie, that was a classic oh. one. Uh, Riptide, another regular regular choice. And then, a, I don't know, a couple other randoms. What else did we do? But, yeah, just sort of standard, poppy, crowd-pleasery songs. How did you feel after it? I guess quite good. Yeah, it was quite fun. I, I don't know. I mean, it's not quite, you know, playing in front of 20,000 people. <laughs> I mean, I felt more nervous when my friends were there watching. Like, I would have rather Mm. just done it in a pub where no one I knew. Like, I was always just, like, trying not to encourage people to come because I just always felt so much more nervous when there were people there that I knew. Um, But, yeah, no, it would. you do have that rush afterwards and, like, a bit of, like, a buzz and just this, you know, I don't know. It was a bit of an exciting... Yeah. What was it like? Obviously, this was something that we... Did a little bit, but I wanted I wanted to find out from your opinion because obviously you see a lot of like big names coming into the studio and doing like radio sessions. Now they're performing on a huge platform. It's BBC Radio Six. They'll be playing to can I say millions of listeners? Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Yeah, Mil- millions <laughs> of listeners in the X Factor voice. Um, how do they like feel after that? Because obviously. When we performed in front of 15,000 people, we came off stage and you could see like we're sweating and we're buzzing and we're like jumping around and we're spraying champagne on each other or whatever. How do people react after like such a... Because we never got to do anything that big. How do they feel after that opportunity and then... I feel like it's a bit of a weird one because... I mean, I can't speak on their behalf, but from what I can imagine and from what I've seen, it's like, I think you do get this buzz because 
you probably are aware that there are all these people. I don't know. I think it's probably not the same rush that you would get from obviously having a live audience in front of you. And it's kind of like you finish Mm. the session. It's like the presenter, if it's live, the presenter has to go straight back into the studio and carry on doing the show. Um, If it's a live session and the band just has to kind of take apart their kit and leave. Um, So I feel like there's probably less of a buzz afterwards. Um, And it's like you, you, but you're there doing this session. I guess you're aware that you have all these millions of listeners listening and you've probably got quite a legendary presenter that you're chatting to, Uh, especially for the smaller bands. I know it's like such a big deal for them and such an exciting moment for them because, you know, for a lot of them will be one of their first BBC sessions. Um, which is quite yeah, it's a more of like a career like yeah. highlight. Then. Yeah, exactly. And like performing in a studio definitely isn't the same as doing it live and like listening to it in the you know when you're actually watching it there where they're doing it because obviously it's not all connected up with amps and stuff. Yeah, it, it's all being fed into the speakers that kind of go out onto the radio. It's yeah, not so, rock and roll. You saw Liam Gallagher. Oh yeah, that was cool. <laughs> that was very exciting because that. But he's not a very happy bloke, he's is he? He's not, but he was. I was a bit scared and a bit nervous. Um, and I just stood, I was just there, like, I just managed to sneak in and just watch. Um, and they, like, had all the lights off, like, it was a very dark atmosphere. Uh, and then his team all went and stood. This was in the Radio 1 studios. Uh, his team went and stood behind the glass pane, like, in one of the production rooms. But I stood there, like, next to the camera. Wall of glass. glass. And I was stood there next okay. to the... Um, like camera crew and so it was literally me and two camera people in the room um and he came yeah. over and he said hi and shook my hand and I was like oh my god I, I thought you'd just ignore me because I was just literally just stood in a corner like uh he was like hi I'm Liam yeah. and I was like I know um I know you but are. yeah so he was he was very nice and I feel like he puts on maybe the moody persona um well did I, did I tell you the story of when I met Noel Gallagher no right so me and me and Aaron from the band we we got invited to the Brits one year, and honestly, it was one of the like happiest nights of my life. It was wicked. It was unreal. Like we did like a little performance on the concourse stage, and we got given tickets and after show party. It was like, but you can't take your instruments in. We were like, whatever. We just like threw them in this like like little thing, like this alcove, and we were just like, yeah, they'll be fine. So we went and and we had an amazing night, and like years and years were playing this like little after show party. And there was like a fairground in the O2. It was unreal. So it was really cool. And then I said, I'm I'm a million percent going next year. I was like, I'm going to the Brits again. I was like, even if I don't get a ticket, I'll I'll go yeah. somehow. Came around emailing everybody I knew and like pulling in like favours from my manager saying, please get us tickets to the Brits. <laughs> Got none. So me and Aaron decided we were like, what we'll do, we'll take the guitar, we'll take a little sign and we'll go busking outside and we'll say we're trying to break into the Brits. We got chatting to this girl who was like introducing all the, um, like she was getting all the acts from the tube. So there was like Blossoms and oh, like another amazing. band and she was taking them through and we said, can you help us? We're trying to break into the Brits. She was like, no, you won't be <laughs> able to. Like you need passes to get into the Brits. We were like, no, 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 we're going to break in. So anyway, we tried the busking thing. We were like, Blossoms, get us in. They They didn't get <laughs> us in. And we were like, right, the, the busking approach isn't going to work. So we found out that the pre-show party was on at like the Britannia Hotel that or whatever one it was, right at the O2. Yeah. So we went there for a drink. We were on the top floor. And then we kind of snuck down. And then we stood there and Aaron had his guitar. And we were like, oh, can we go in? And then um, they were like, what, where are your passes? And Aaron was like, no, no, we're performing. We don't have any passes. Oh my so we God. went in. And then we ended up on this like, like this strip. And we were just like walking. And we're like on this red carpet. Oh my God, like, that's oh my hilarious. God, what are you doing? 
And there was like presenters there and like some of the like some a couple of famous heads, but I don't know one too big. And we saw Noel Gallagher. Oh god. And I went up to him and Aaron was like, Come on, let's do it. So I went up to Noel Gallagher and I was like and he was with someone on it, some girl on his arm and some manager and I said, No, no, no. Can I, can we get a selfie? And he was like, "Go on then." He was a bit moody, and I was like, "Yeah, but it's it's Noel Gallagher is meant to be moody." And then had a wristband that had the TaylorMade logo oh, on God. it in the name, and I said, "Can I can they give you a wristband? I'm in a band." And he went, "Fuck off!" And then just walked off. And I was like, and then Aaron's <laughs> looking at me. He was like, "You're right." I was like, "Noel Gallagher just told me to fuck off. This is the best day of my life." <laughs> Did you get the selfie? What? Yeah. That is that is quite a quite a highlight I can imagine. It's always a weird one me- meeting like musical idols. Like I wouldn't say Noel yeah. Gallagher was a musical idol, but he's someone he's so huge and yeah. influential in, in in the world of music. Like we met the Beach Boys once. Did you? That's yeah, cool. Yeah, we did a gig with the Beach Boys, but it wasn't Brian Wilson. But it was still the Beach Boys, but just brackets the Beach Boys. Did you ever like? Were you a big fan girl? No, I fangirled hard over CeeLo Green. He was a cool. Did bloke. you? That's so random. Yeah, I don't know why. I just remember that "Forget You" song when I was a teenager. That was a big yeah, that one. That was a tune. That was a big tune. Say, so have you met any like big musical icons? Met a few nice, famous, famous faces during work. Um, but I feel like in that environment, you kind of have to stay professional and just yeah. like. You can't really be that excited. Although when Basil Brush came in, I was like, oh, I'm getting a photo here. <laughs> Wait, right. So if Basil... But, oh, no, he is a musical artist. He had number one, didn't he? Boom, boom. Did he? I was just, I was actually just thinking... <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, Basil Brush is a musical artist. There you artist. go. That's my uh, musical, iconic, legendary meet. Well, I remember meeting McFly. Oh, my God. That was like the happiest day McFly? ever. You met McFly? Yeah, I mean, I was. This was during my fangirl days, and I did go and wait outside Radio One. But oh my god, I'm did happy you? I did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dragged one of my friends along. Bless her. Like, yeah, she was not interested at all, but she came along with me. So and you met them. What did they say? I mean, I was about I don't know how old, fifteen, fourteen. I remember asking Danny to sign my arm, <laughs> <laughs> and I had this sharpie, and I was like, "Oh, my mum's gonna kill me." And he's like, "Don't be silly. No, she's not." That's pretty much all I remember. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, they were all very nice. Very they, nice you know, they, I bet that I bet they were lovely lads, and I bet they appreciated it so much. Like we, when we did our our big gig back home, like in Lytham, there was a couple of like really cool like people that loved loved our music and stuff like that, and they'd hang around and they like brought us little gifts and stuff. It meant the world. Like to yeah. know people like were so into your music, like like that. I mean. I'm saying I'm not saying we had lots like McFly. Yeah, we we had two. But uh, people camping. Yeah, no, it's nice though. Like it's it's when someone reciprocates. Like it always comes back to the sense of community when people like mm. are, like appreciative of, of something. Or do you get this? Like I love like I'll show my housemate Ramna a song and I'll like put it on. I'm like proper like looking at him throughout the. And song. And then like, like they love it as well. I'm, like, <laughs> what do you think? Do you like it? Do you love it? And he's like, yeah. yeah, it's all right. He's like, stop looking at me. But like, constantly when it's playing, I'll be like, what do you think? And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's all right. But it's like, you want to, you want people to buzz over the music. Like, I don't know why that yeah, is. Definitely. It's that sharing. Yeah, it's like you want to share the happiness that you feel when you listen to a song or like whatever emotion it is, but you want to be able to share that with someone else. And I feel like with music, it's so easy to do that because it's just such a, everyone can relate to it in some ways. And there's, it's almost like there's, there's like no barriers. And yeah. It, you know, everyone can enjoy music, no matter what. It's that whole thing of, like, belonging to a tribe, like, 
and the, the 1975 talk about it. But like, do you remember back in the day where there was like scene kids and then emos and it was like, yeah. so you have like Paramore, you like My Chemical Romance. I don't know because because as much as I do listen to modern music and like you see Lewis Capaldi and Billie Eilish, but they're fans. But I don't know if they like a belong to like a bit of a cult or a tribe anymore. But like back in the day, you had the mods and the rockers. Like you really got behind. Like music was something you stood for. Music was more of an identity and like yeah. rather than just a passion, it was more about who you were, were and what you stood for. Do you think that's changed now then? Do you think it's less about... Yeah, I think it is changing. Pop music is just so commercial now, it's less about that. Yeah, but then I, I also think if you think about people that go to like these big... Like because dance music and like techno and stuff like that is huge. I bet yeah, people true. that go to like these kind of nights or like if you're really into your grime, I know that the kind of what you what you'd wear if you were into grime is you wouldn't like you wouldn't be out and about in a suit like you wear a tracksuit more so or something like that do you know what i mean so i feel like yeah th th it is it's just changing and our kids will probably look back in like years to come and be like what were you doing like really you thought this was cool and i'm like yeah i go to bed and i listen to stormzy rapping like that is cool <laughs> I think you just mentioned like what people wear. It definitely reflects. I think there's there's definitely some kind of link between music and fashion as well, mm. um, and that, that whole sense of identity and stuff. I think they all kind of link up. So what do you think, Larry? Is if we put him into days, or should we just give a, a swooping statement? If he was any kind of, what do you think he was? What what is it? What was his genre? Was he a rocker? Well, that's well, that's hard to say because that's like saying well, what's the what genre makes yeah, you Yeah, but happiest? Larry can't be the fella that says I like a little bit of everything because those people annoy me. Like, oh, really? You sat there listening to Beethoven and then you've got Metallica <laughs> on. Chop suey, That yeah? is true. That is true. Sorry, if, if, you, if you're one of those people that likes <laughs> a little bit of everything. I don't think you can like a little bit of everything. I think you can. Not everything because there's got to be something yeah. in the everything that you don't like. You don't go to yeah. a Chinese buffet and like everything, do you? <laughs> But the majority of, of types... Of, no, that's a good point. No, I do agree. But um, I do think Larry would have quite a eclectic mm. music taste. I don't think he's just going to like like pretty boys with guitar like me, giving the old ballads out. <laughs> well, exactly. I, do, I wouldn't say that he's like that much of a pop music lover, to no. be honest. Because I just feel like there's there's more to... Maybe it's because I'm kind of very much in the, the sick music mindset that's a bit more alternative. But I just feel like there's a bit more to the slightly more alternative scene. Like, Yeah, I, I think he could be into alternative music. But like not necessarily, you know, when you say alternative, I don't literally mean like the weirdest or, or no. the most unknown. But just like not the Dua Lipas, not the Lewis Capaldi's or whatever. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think he likes his up and coming music. I think he's... Yeah. And like, because I think going to gigs is such a big part of what, what, well, at least for me, but I I think those who really, truly love music, going to gigs is such a big part of that. Yeah, And absolutely. it just brings like, like such a, an extra element of yeah, happiness like, the whole thing. So I think he'd be a regular gig goer into all types of music. Yeah, like you, you want to go to gigs, but like, can you imagine going to a Pharrell concert? You're just waiting for him to do the song Happy, aren't you? Yeah. Well, like, yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? But like, like, if you go to like someone like you really listen to their album, like I don't know, is anyone a Pharrell fan, or do people just like Pharrell? Like he's big. I don't know. These oh, are big sure questions, aren't fans, we? But... We're trying to solve happiness and find out who Pharrell's fans are. All of a sudden, got a song called Happy, us, doesn't he? Join us next week on Who's Pharrell. <laughs> <laughs>
whole new podcast. Yeah. No, I think, I think, yeah, I definitely agree with you. Larry is a regular gig guy because there's something about going to live music that definitely reduces endorphins. And I do, from my experience with kind of being in music and stuff like that, I think, and from what you do as well, like maybe... I think Larry's definitely partial for a bit of karaoke or maybe... I was going to say, do you think he's a performer? Mm, I I think he could be. I don't think he's one of these guys that, like, writes sonnets. I wouldn't wouldn't have Larry down as that. You know, like, dreadlocks and writes sonnets, no. He's a bit cool. Or, like, he's like the underdog and they'll be like, oh, can you sing? He's like, oh, well, a little bit. And then he just starts singing. And And then he's actually amazing. Whoa, Larry, where did that come from? There is this, like, happy happy level of perform like singing being able to sing mm. i think makes so many people like, oh, i wish i could sing yeah. and it does make you feel really good when you're able to well, it's just belt like it's just it's like being it's able to belt a song <laughs> and like just singing in the shower like la just like belting all that energy out it's a big release of energy i remember when i used to sing yeah. in the choir when i was younger and there was a lad about four years younger than me and he couldn't sing and he was tone deaf but he just used to belt out at the top and he'd be like, oh, like a foghorn but he was so happy. <laughs> Larry sings in the choir. How about that? Thanks for listening, guys. I'm Jack Frimston. I'm Sarah Tabar. And I am deep down happy because next week we are joined by an incredible guest. It's the lead singer of Mercury-nominated band whose album recently went to number two in the UK charts. It's... Sports Team! Sports Team.